come to a place this morning as we continue it in our series of messages, Better Together. There's just some things that are pretty good on their own, but man, they're better together when, when you mix the two things. And, and I've, I've used the term before, I'm going to come back to it because I think it's impossible to think of something that's not better when it's mixed with bacon. Uh, it's, it's good on its own, but come on. I mean, a car tire, a car tire is better with bacon on it. I, it just peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it's just better together. And today I want to, to just want to share my heart, something that uh, God has had on my heart since he called me to Community of Grace almost eight years ago. It's just been a passion. It's, it's been the search. It's been the hunt. It's been what uh, I've been praying to the Lord for almost eight years now. You, this is nothing new to you. It's, you've heard it before. That uh, God has, has not called me to community of grace to lead this church to be the, the coolest church in our area. With the, with the fanciest lights and smoke and, and uh, it's just not what he's called me to, to lead our church to be. He's called me to lead our church to be the best church for our community. That we make it a point of emphasis in our daily lives, personally and corporately, to recognize a need and meet it, to see a hurt and heal it, that we just be a people that, that strives to be the best church for our community. We've done things over the years to try to, to reach that and, and, and make that happen. We do VBS every year. There's a sign-up board for this year's right there in the back. You can go and boom, that's where I can fit in and I can help out this year. Because together, we are better at serving our community. If just a few people put their name on that board, it it's, goes back to that saying, by the inch, it's a cinch, but by the yard, it's, man, we need that board filled up with names. With, when, when we're together, we are so much better in being the best church for our community. We do things like VBS. We do things like a fall festival. We do a, a Jesus Live celebration at Easter. We do a summer uh, community theater. Uh, we do, we, we have made an effort to, to do things for our community that is a blessing to them. I hope that this church never loses that passion. One of the evaluations that I do personally, uh, not only of myself, but of our church, of my ministry is what is my reputation because you know as well as I do a reputation is what's earned there are some things about my reputation that I'm not excited about I mean I, you guys know as well as I do uh, uh, organization and details I have a reputation <laughs> yeah, loving people I have a reputation see listen Reputation is something you earn. Students 
who are on the front end of this thing we call life, just keep that in mind. Reputation is something you earn. You can't buy it. You earn it. And I ask myself, part of my evaluation of my ministry and of our church is what is our reputation in our community? How does our community view us? View this church. If this building, if this body of believers disappeared tomorrow, would our church miss us? Would our community miss us, right? Now, we would miss each other. We're good at that part, man. We love each other. People, I got, this week I had somebody tell me, man, Joel, when, when, when we come into your church, it just feels like home. I feel welcome. I feel almost immediately like I'm a part. And that's a good reputation, but that's when people come here. What about when we're out there? What is our reputation? It is a good question to ask. Because listen, reputation is something you earn. It's something that we earn. And I pray that I continue to lead, that I strive to lead our church to earn a reputation in our community that loves God, that loves people, and serves both. It's just who we are. It's what we do. Today we're going to look at a familiar text that, that you've heard since you were a child. If you've been going to church uh, since childhood, you've heard this story. It comes out of Matthew chapter 6. You, you probably go quick to Old Testament's uh, parallels. We're looking at the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000. You might think of, of when, when the people of Israel were hungry out in the desert and their wanderings and Moses goes pleading to the Lord and, and God provides manna from heaven. Remember that? I mean, so there's, I mean, you just quickly, by the way, manna from heaven, it's Captain Crunch. <laughs> I, I didn't know if y'all knew that or not, but something like that. So today, I want to remind us that Jesus is more than just a healer of the sick. Jesus is more than the one who brought us salvation. Jesus is the one who does great things out of our little offerings. No matter the size, quality, or quantity of what we bring, Jesus is the one who can do great things. I want us to remember that. I'm going to refer to our day of hope several times today because it is a, it is a vision that um, was brought to, to our staff about six months ago. And I have not been able to let go of it. But my idea and what the Lord is brewing in my heart and I believe our staff's heart, it is much more than just a day where we hand out backpacks to children with school supplies in it. I actually believe that the day of hope can be something of great significance for the kingdom of God. That we either do a couple of times a year or maybe it's just once a year, but it's something that our church begins getting a reputation striving to be the best church for our community. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. Before I read it and before we stand, let me give you a little background. 
It is in this gospel that the, that the writer lets us know that John the Baptist, the one who pointed the way, he kind of cleared the way for Jesus. Remember him? It is right before our story in this, in this chapter that we find out John the Baptist has been killed. He's been beheaded. He was calling down Herod and his brother's wife. Her, they had some weird family stuff going on. They're treated and forked very much. But anyway, uh, he called him out on it. You shouldn't be married to her. And she didn't like it. So at a feast, a festival that Herod was throwing for his wife Herodias, her daughter, uh, he asked the little the girl, anything you want, and I'll do it. She asks her mom. Her mom says, the head of John the Baptist. So, he wasn't crazy about the idea, but he had made a statement, so John the Baptist lost his head. His disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, came and took his body and laid him in a tomb. Can I just remind us today that following Jesus at times is dangerous? say it again. There are times when following Jesus in his footsteps, when we do things that are, that are after the feet of God, that are after pursuing him, life can be dangerous. I'm reminded of this time, the first time I went to Nicaragua. And how there were things going on, help me out here, between the Sandinistas and and the government, and, and they were putting up roadblocks, and they were holding people back, and, and we had just finished our week out in the village, and we were on our way back to Managua, and there was a roadblock, and the men and people that were gathered at this roadblock didn't have smiles on their faces. The, the, the um, translators that were on our bus said, look straight ahead, and don't look out the bus. This is not good. Guys, I was fearful. The people on our bus were fearful. We finally got through. It's a long story. And made it back to Managua. There are times when we pursue Christ that life can get in trouble. And we get to our text. And we find a group of men that are exhausted. They're tired. Not only from the business of life, but also from the business of ministry. Exhausted. Jesus recognizes it, says, let's get away so y'all can rest. And we pick up there. So if you'll stand with me, if you're able, I'm going to read these verses together, starting in verse 30. If you don't have your Bible, by the way, I'd love to give you one. It's in the back of the room, but I have it printed on the back of your outline. The apostles turned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Can, can I stop there for a second? Let me ask you a question. Where's your desolate place? Where is your place where you get alone 
and you recharge your batteries. As some of you know, I get up early a couple of mornings a week and I head down the street to a place called Quincy Reservoir. Between 5.30 and 6, I push out from the shore and I go to my desolate place. No one can get to me out there unless they swim out there to me. <laughs> I'm alone and I talk with God and I cast a worm out in the water and it is where I recharge my battery. I go home and without question, one of the first things I do is take the battery out of the boat, go over, I set it on the floor, hook up the connectors and charge it for four hours every time I go up. Let me ask you a question. Where's your desolate place? Where do you recharge your batteries? Joel, I'm too busy with life. Joel, all of my downtime, I'm up at the church doing the busyness, the business of church. I don't have any downtime. Jesus recognized the need, and he said, I'm going to meet it. Let's get in the boat and go to a desolate place. Where is your desolate place? My staff knows that I have an expectation of them to have a half-day spiritual retreat uh, every so often. And I'll ask them. I don't see it on the calendar. Where is it? And I can see it on their face. Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. Joel, I don't know where I'm going to fit a half a day in with all the stuff going on. Courtney, I mean, she's the mom of a young child. Joel, I don't know. Where's your desolate place? Jesus saw a need, and he said, let's let's meet that. Let's continue. Verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran on foot to all the towns, from all the towns, and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore and saw the great crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And, he, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go, get, go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, shall, shall we go and, and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and, and give it to eat them to eat? And he said to them, what, how, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. Doesn't that remind you of Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads us to where? Still waters and green pastures. Anyway, just chase, chase a squirrel there. Verse 40. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven and, and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided them, the two fish, among them, say it, 
all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us see the big picture. I pray that the, the teaching of your word would be useful for correction, rebuking, teaching, and training in righteousness. It's in your holy name that I pray. Amen. We all need time of rest. We all need time away. We all need time to unplug, to recharge the battery. I'm not going to come off of it. I'm going to stay on it. In fact, I'm going to press you a little bit. Where is yours? If I could have an expectation of you and, and, and demand something from you, I would say, where is it on your calendar? Get it on there to recharge your battery. I'm not asking. Jesus saw a need, and he said, I'm going to meet it. They were exhausted. They were hungry. They were tired. So today, as we strive to uh, be a ch the best church for our community, I want us to make our way through this story and pull out a few things that we can not only apply to our personal lives, but I believe to our corporate life as a church. First thing is this, is identify a need. Identify the need. Jesus, man, he got out of the boat and saw this crowd of people. It tells us 5,000, 5,000 men. Has compassion on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd, man. They hadn't been led. They don't have a leader. So he sits them down and he begins teaching them many things. He's teaching, gets to be late in the afternoon when it's time for them to have their evening meal. And his boys thinking that Jesus needed some help with etiquette, kind of sneak over. Can you see him? Hey, Jesus. <laughs> They're hungry. They're ready for something to eat. Let me make an announcement to send them off to fend for themselves for dinner this evening. Can you see the announcement? I mean, not, we're, we are now in Joel's world. Those of you who don't know me, we're now in Joel's world. Because the boat is down there at the water. They just came from the boat, right? They got out of the boat. They came up here. Jesus had compassion. He said, hey, y'all sit down. And Jesus is teaching away, and his disciples come over and help him out. Hey, let them go get dinner. They're hungry. So are we. We've been going at it, we've been going at it, we've been going at it. We're hungry and we're tired. Tell you what, Jesus, let them go and, and, and they got to walk away to these villages. We're in a desolate place out here. Let them go and fend for themselves to get something to eat. They have identified the need. They're hungry. We live in a unique place. Our church is located in a unique position. Our church is surrounded by a community that's different from Park Church in downtown Denver. It's just different. Our church is surrounded by a different group of people than 
storyline church up in Arvada. Different demographic. Having looked at some demographic uh, uh, research on our area, here's what's interesting about our area. Where we're located, and maybe this two to three mile circle around us, the further north and west you go, generally speaking, the annual average income of house per household goes down. The closer you get to, the, say, the heart of Aurora. Does that make sense? The further south and east you go, what happens? It goes up. And so we've been called, this church has been planted by the foresight, by the vision of the founding pastor of this church, Mike Story, some 26 years ago, 27 years ago, to put a church. Now, they weren't meeting here that many years ago. They were in schools and hotels, if I'm correct. Some of you have been around a while. But, but by the vision that the Lord laid on their heart, boom, this body landed here. And this community started growing. And we've been placed here to identify needs. Some of the needs that have been identified already is we've got com consumer debt all around us. I don't care if you go in that direction, that direction, that direction, or that direction. People like to spend money. And people like to spend more money than they have. Am I wrong? It's not only our community, it's the, it's the culture of our country. Consumer debt runs around. So one of the ways that we have tried to, to be the best church for our community is that we've, we've done uh, some financial classes, Crown Financial. We have people in our church body that are certified to teach this curriculum, Crown Financial to help people not only in our church but in our community kind of get back on their feet again, some biblical wisdom with handling finances. It's one of the needs that we've, we've seen. We know that there's a need for clothing. How do I know that? Two or three years ago, we had a ministry called Blessed to be Dressed, where that, the next door building, next door, our south building, basically the big room upstairs was turned into a food or a clothing closet. And people would line the sidewalk. Those of you who helped work it, I'm telling you, the line would go out into our parking lot of people lined up to come inside and get clothing for their kids. Shoes for their kids. Coats for the winter. We've identified some needs. We've attempted to help meet those needs. We know that there's people around us that are hungry. How do we know that? We have people come to our door and we get phone calls all the time, don't we, Anita? <laughs> For people that need help with food money. Yeah, I, I hope that our reputation is that we're a church. We're known for helping people in their time of need. We see a need and we help meet a need. See, they had identified a need. One of the other needs that is all around us is that there has been a declaration of war on the institution of marriage. I'm aware of, uh, through prayer requests that have been sent in that I've been made aware of, there's just a bunch of marriages that are in trouble. That's just my little realm of influence that I'm aware of. You probably know some in your workplace where marriages are under attack.
Another thing that I'm aware of is that people are scared to ask for help. They don't want to ask for help. They're embarrassed by that. They're humiliated by that. So we are responsible to go and notice needs. The disciples noticed the need. People are hungry. So Jesus said, you give them something to eat. The, the Greek, I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. Steve, help me here. The Greek word here is y'all. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that <laughs> Y'all give them something to eat. Is that, is that close? Personal pronoun that is plural. Y'all. Can you see, can, can you climb into my world here for just a second? Jesus is standing there and, and they come up, tap him on the shoulder and says, people are hungry, why don't you let them go fend for themselves? And Jesus, y'all give them something to eat. Y'all feed them dinner. It is dinner time, you're right. I, I may have been going a little long. Y'all give them something to eat. And they're like, what? You expect? <laughs> you expect us to... Do you, how, Jesus, do you know how much money that would cost? We're never going to see these people again. Y'all give them something to eat. What, what do you have? Go see. Now, stay with me. Can, can you see the disciple? I think he's serious. <laughs> we'll go down to the boat and we'll check our gun smoke lunchbox and see what we got. <laughs> And they, can you see him walking down the hill? What did, what did you bring? I didn't bring anything. I was going to bum off you today. What, what did you bring, Matthew? Man, I got one. I got a half a loaf and a fish. That's all I got, man. And they get down to the boat and they dig through their stuff. And can you see him walking back up the hill? <laughs> Jesus, here's what we got. I want you to notice that they're focused on how little they have. Their focus and their attention, because they're looking at a crowd of 5,000 men. Now stay with me. It's common in that day for that to be the way a crowd is counted. You count the number of men. 5,000. And Jesus says, let me make sure I got all my blanks filled in because I'm, I'm just going here. The second blank, I think, is inventory what you have to offer. Jesus said, go and see what you got. Your next blank is get organized because that's what about Jesus is about to do. I'm going to come back to the day of hope before I continue, and I have just a few minutes to make, make my way to the end. One of the things that I want to cast vision for today is this day of hope. And maybe one little element of that day of hope and what it could be. Last year on Father's Day, we did a dad fest out, out in the front yard. Any of you remember that? Ken Norris humiliated all of us on the bench press. Thanks, Ken, for that. 
Just, I was feeling kind of manly until you took over. But anyway, uh, yeah, we had fun games and this and that. Okay, so this year on Mother's Day, the men that are a part of the COG chef team threw down a feast for the church family for Mother's Day. It was a great meal. The ladies on the COG chef's team have said on Father's Day, men, y'all get out of the kitchen because we're going to do it this time. And so on Father's Day, we're going to have another breakfast feast. Invite all of you to come. Dads, we want to celebrate dads. We'll come into church and we'll celebrate dads. Bacon. (laughs) It's just better with anything, right? But you know what? I think there's a way that dads would feel really special. I think dads feel really mm when they do things of significance. I did something that matters. Here's what I see. On Father's Day this year, after church, we go outside and take a church family picture. We haven't done that since I've been here almost eight years. That we all stand out in the yard and we take a family picture. Got your kiddos there? I'm going to ask some brave soul, we'll, we'll all pray for them before they do this, to climb up to the tallest peak of our church building and snap a picture. A family picture. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> hey, hey, check this out. Now here, you got to stay with me on this because this, this matters. At that point, after we take the family picture, I'm going to ask everybody to put on the ground a pair of shoes that they're willing to donate for Day of Hope. Hopefully. If you have the means to do so, a new pair of shoes for a child, for a dad, for a mom that just, man, they've been wearing the same raggedy shoes for a long time. That we as a body of believers would say, you know what, that's something that could matter uh, practically in somebody's life that I'm just going to leave a pair of shoes right where I was standing for this day of hope. My children are going to leave a pair of shoes right where they were standing on, this, on our lawn on this day of hope or in preparation for the day of hope. Now here's the second picture that I want to take. After we leave those shoes right where we were standing, Everyone leave, and let's take another picture that we can all look at, that we can all pray that God will bless those families that these shoes end up on, that all of these shoes end up at this day of hope where families are able to come in and put a new pair of shoes on their kiddos. Now, you may not be able to afford a new pair of shoes for everyone in your family, but I bet you could walk to your closet right now and find a pair of shoes that are decent, they're not raggedy, they're not worn out. And you can say, I could let somebody else have that. They need those more than I do. Now here's the fear, here's, here's the concern we should learn from the disciples. I don't want to see us. This is all we got. What, what, what? We got 300 pairs of shoes. Joel's, Joel, we could have 5,000 people show up at the day. All we got is 300. I want to remind us, this is a big lesson I want us to see. When we inventory what we have, I have this and I can offer this. God can take small things that you and I have to offer 
and do miraculous things with it. And I believe that is a valuable reputation to have. That we as a body of believers bring what we got, man. That's what I got. I don't have any more, but I'm bringing what I have to offer and give it to God and let him do his thing. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, get organized. He says, sit them down in groups of 100, groups of 50, in the green grass. I just find that to be an interesting adjective that he puts green in there. Five thousand men, groups of hundreds. How many groups of hundreds do we need? Fifty. Let's just take this half of the room. Say it's a hundred people. This half of the, uh, this half of the room go sit in the grass in between the sidewalks. This half of the room go sit in the grass on that side of the sidewalk. Fifty of those, and that's just the men. Let's add their wives into the picture. Now we're up to ten thousand. Average. How many kids? Let's just say two. Pepsi Center holds 20,000 people. That's a lot of folks. And they come with five loaves and two fishes. And they bring what they have and they give it to Jesus and look what he does. That's a lot of people. But I want us to make sure we understand that We serve a God who can do great things with little stuff that we have. So, we inventory what we have. We get organized. We see the big picture. That's your next blank. God wants to do something in us and through us bigger than we can imagine. As I think of that story with the disciples and them looking down in the basket when they walk around to hand out bread. And here you go. (laughs) And here you go. Where did that come from? Thousands of people. And we offer we begin to see that God wants to bring glory into himself and, and he's using us in some small way to bring glory to him, to build bridges to people that are far from him. Man, we need to see that. We need to understand that. The shoes, it's not the issue. It's them seeing that we love God and the way that plays out in our life is we love people and we serve both. That's the way we do that. The question I have for us all today is, am I available? Are you available? I'm going to ask the praise team to make their way back up. We'll close in just a moment. Are you and I willing to be available to meet the needs? When we see a need of a coworker, when we see a need of a family in our church, last week we began that with one of our own, the Sinky family and, and the, the, the enormous medical bills that face them. And we gathered at the door last week, uh, I I believe right at $2,500 is what I I heard. Thank you, church, for being so generous. Thank you. Are we available to respond and to work on our reputation in our community, to never give up 
on striving to be a people that loves God, that loves others, and we serve both. If you're looking for a way to, to put Christ's command into action, I want us to notice what Paul says. In his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, he just says, man, you need to bear others' burdens. At some point, everyone struggles under the weight of some kind of oppressive situation. We as believers need to come alongside those people and help carry that weight. Listen to what it says. I believe it will be on your slide, on the slide behind me here. For God is the one who provides seeds for the farmer. And then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two things, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Friends, may we have the reputation of being a church of generosity. I can't wait. I can't wait for Sunday of Father's Day. For one little offering of shoes. That we bring a pair of shoes and we leave them in the yard. I'm going to need somebody to help organize men's, children's, women's. These days I can't tell the difference all the time. But. I'm thankful that God has allowed me to serve for eight years. I look forward to the next 20 in a church that is generous. Let's pray. Father, we realize that... Uh, healthy relationship with our community is worth the effort. It's worth sacrificing. It's worth being available. It's worth checking to see what we have to offer. It is worth maybe even being uncomfortable. It's worth being in a dangerous situation because, Lord, what is here is, of noth is, is nothing compared to what we have in you. So while we are here, may we be found faithful in seeing needs and meeting needs. Seeing hurts and healing hurts. May we have a reputation of loving you. And the way we play that out is that we love others and we serve both you and them. Lord, today I want to lift up the person that uh, is, is, is like me sometimes that just thinks too small. I, 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 I think too small. I think that my little loaf of bread and 
fish is, what, what in the world could you do with that? Father, forgive me for thinking that way. And Lord, help me to just take inventory of what I do have and lay it before you and say, Father, do, as, do with it as you wish. What I have is yours. Lord, help, help us with that mindset. That we not strive to store up treasures here, but we store up treasures in heaven. Lord, that we strive not to be the coolest church in town, but to be the best church for our town. I thank you, Lord, for taking my small stuff and using it. May you do the same with our church. We lift up our community today, Lord, those that are far from you, and we ask that uh, you would, even in this moment, that your spirit would, would begin softening hearts, tapping on those doors, that they would feel a draw to you. Lord, we lift up the name of Jesus today in this place. And we ask that you draw men and women and children to yourself. Use us in that end, Lord, we pray. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friends, listen, your big idea today is that an open heart leads to open hands. And may that be our reputation. Let's stand and worship together.